Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Hey, the gospel. You know, how many of y'all grew up in church and you heard the gospel every single Sunday? Anybody here? I did. I grew up in church and boy, I mean, it was expected. You're going to get the gospel every week. How many of you know the gospel is a whole lot bigger than you ever imagined? Dustin touched on it. I mean, it's huge. It's, we will never plumb the depths of the gospel. You know, last, last week we talked about the simplicity of the gospel. I mean, you know, the gospel is really simple. I mean, even young children can understand the gospel. We looked at a couple of prophetic acts. The early church, most of the early church was illiterate. They couldn't read, they couldn't write. But when they came together, they came together around the Eucharist, the the Thanksgiving, the uh, communion, the new covenant meal. And, And it was a time of intimacy with one another before God, just remembering what Jesus has done for them. How many of you know that the gospel is pretty simple? It means good news. If you're not sharing or receiving good news, you've got a bum deal. You don't have the gospel, okay? The gospel is really good news. I'm gonna make it even shorter than good news. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is Jesus. It's Jesus. Now, the other, other prophetic act we looked at was baptism. That's still in the whole world. I belong to Jesus. Today, we're gonna to plumb the depths of the enormity of the gospel. And so I'm gonna give you a lot of, a lot of food for thought, but I, I want you to, to, to think through some things of how the entire scripture points us to the gospel in Jesus. How many of you know the world needs the gospel? Why does the world need the gospel? To feel good. good. That's good news. Why do you and I need good news? Because without the gospel, all the craziness that's going on in our world just doesn't make sense. What if I told you that if you can get a hold of the gospel, it will make sense of a lot of the craziness that you are, are, are seeing in the news, that you're experiencing life, The gospel is this, it is the culmination of history, of his story, of our story. Okay, that should have elicited some response. You're going, what in the world is the culmination? Well, it's in the Bible, and we're going to look at that this morning a little bit. Here's what the word culmination means. It's the climactic time in a story when everything comes together. You ever watched a movie or something and man, it looks all fragmented and disjointed and things are happening and you don't understand. But man, at the climactic moment, everything comes together. It makes sense. See, the gospel is the climactic moment. It is the culmination of the ages. It's the culmination of the law. And and, and the gospel is a resolution, a completion. It makes things make sense, comes together. The gospel is a mystery that needs to be resolved. You know, the world is a mystery without the gospel. 
Now, I want us to look at a couple of scriptures this morning here. Um, I'm gonna read them to you. Those of you at home, you'll see these. The first one is in uh, Hebrews 9, 26. It says this, Christ has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let me say that to you one more time. Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That should be a, a big Easter hallelujah. That's, that's what we celebrate, right? That Jesus came, he sacrificed for our sins, he's risen and alive and he lives in and through us. That's good news. Look at, at uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 Verse four, Paul writes this, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Culmination, it's all coming together. In that particular uh, scripture, in Romans 10, four, if you look in the, the King James, the NASB, the RSV, most ver many versions say that Christ is the end, the completion of the law. So it's not, it's not only that culmination is not only the pinnacle of, or the climax or the apex of what's going on in the story, it brings it together and it completes some stuff. How many of you know that we are living now in an age of the culmination? of the ages, of the law. That's us today. So what I wanna do is I want to help you see a few things here about why this matters to you and me. And that's because we're right in the middle of the story. Before we get into it, let me ask you this. Do you realize, do you realize how absolutely crazy God is about you? that he absolutely loves you. He's absolutely for you. He loves everybody. He's not mad at you. He's not having a bad day. He loves you. Listen to this, John three sixteen. It says, God so loved the world, the cosmos, everybody, that includes us all, that he sent, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the gospel. See, see the thing about it is, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Jesus, who said that, in his explanation of the gospel, he says it's all about eternal life. Have you noticed that eternal life is a big topic with Jesus? He loves to talk about eternal life. You know why he likes to talk about eternal life? Because that's because that's how God created us, to live eternally. God created us to have life to the full eternally. How many of you know that God never created man to die? Death does not come into the picture until sin enters in. 
right? And then death takes place. It disconnects us from who God created us to be, what his purposes are for us. He didn't create us that way. He absolutely loves us. And he just says simply, come to me, come to me. I love you. I'm for you. Embrace me. But the word that, that I, I noticed in there, it says, God so loved the world, he gave his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. What, what does that word perish mean? Well, it's, it's the opposite of to live fully. It means to die it's a picture of like fruit that has expired. Your milk is expired. It's, it becomes rotten, decayed. See, apart from our purpose in being in the source of our life, life's pretty rotten, is it not? It's pretty rotten. And so that's the picture that Jesus gives there. He says, what happens when we are disconnected from Jesus is our source of life and love is gone. Now, Romans 5, 8 says this. This is all just prelude to where we're going here. Romans 5, 8 says this, that God demonstrates, present tense, his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news again, right? That's really good news. This is all God's perspective on things. But I want you to think about this. The word sinners, circle that word in your mind here. What does it mean to be a sinner? What does it mean to sin? That, that's, that's what it looks like right there. It's not pretty. Pro problem is most of the times we don't realize that the very things that we love so much are causing us to rot and decay. See, sin is this. In, in the West, we've kind of bought into this idea that sin is a legal term, that it means breaking the law. We've all sinned. We've all broken the law. We've all done what's wrong. But can I tell you, Jesus had a much, much more devastating notion of what sin does to us. He said this in... Um, in Matthew 11, in the same passage that Dustin was, was reading about coming to him before weak, heavy laden, he'll give us rest. He says this, he says, the verse right before that, he says, no one knows the Father. No one knows the Father. What's he doing? He's saying, this is the real issue of sin. No one knows what the Father is really like. Have you ever thought about the reason Jesus came to planet Earth was to reveal what the Father is really like? Now, he goes on, I want you to think about this. If, if eternal life is a relationship with the Father, which Jesus taught in John 17, 3, then eternal death, eternal death is not knowing the Father. And the eternal death comes is caused by sin. Sin is the cause of us not knowing God. In fact, sin is about our blindness. It's our spiritual blindness. It's about our ability to not conceive in our minds, to be so wrongheaded that we miss who God is and what God is really like. Now, 
Jesus comes to planet Earth and he gives us some understanding of how really, really good his Father is and how much God the Father really, really wants us to know him. So I'm gonna give you some big perspective this morning, okay? On what it looks like to live the gospel from the cross, from where we're at today on this side of the cross. When Jesus comes on the, on the planet, this is what the world looked like. This is what the religious establishment, God's chosen people looked like. Their whole world revolved around this. Torah, temple, and tradition. Okay? And that's what was going on in all the world before the cross. How many of you know the cross changed everything? The cross changed everything. So when Jesus comes into planet earth, he turns the world upside down. It culminates in the cross. The cross is the culmination, the word we looked at. It's the culmination of the law, which is on this side, the Torah. It's the culmination of everything that had transpired before. Jesus comes to earth and he, he shifts everything. People begin to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. You know, Jesus would say, you, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, he'd say, listen, the Torah, which is the written word of God, now has been fulfilled in the living word of God. Amen? So Jesus came and says, hey, absolutely, I love the written word of God, but I am the living word of God. I'm the logos of God. I'm the logic of God. I'm the word in flesh who's come to live among you. Do you see how radical what this faith believes is? A lot of times we go, yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you, are you really? Do you really believe that Jesus is preeminent and Lord over all? that he came and he replaced it all, that Jesus is Lord of all. So Jesus came and they said, well, you know, we worship in the temple. That's where God resides. That's where the Holy Spirit is hosted. The Spirit of God is hosted in the temple. For 1,500 years, that's the way it's been. And what does Jesus say? He said, I'm looking for a people who will host the Spirit of God that will become temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I'm looking for that kind of people. They said, well, okay, well, uh, that's, that's blasphemous. And they said, well, surely you're a person of tradition. God chose the Jewish people to bear his to, to preserve scripture, to reveal himself to, that they might be blessed, to be a blessing. And, and Jesus begins to say, you know what? I only do what I, what I hear and see my father doing. You remember the apostle Paul? Everybody said, well, listen, you've, you've just, everything you believe is the traditions of the, the apostles and of all these traditions. He said, no, no, no. 
That's not how it works. He says, everything that I receive is through revelation. Why in the world would we spend so much time in prayer? Why would we spend so much time in worship? Why would we spend so much time seeking God? Because he opens the eyes of our hearts through revelation. And that's what Jesus came to do. On this side of the cross, the way we live out the gospel is by revelation in Jesus. It's no longer by, you know, I, I grew up in going to church. Any of y'all go to church growing up? And it would have been possible to learn all of the traditions of the church and miss the main point. It had been real easy to go to that building and think that in that building, this place, beautiful facility we're in, that this is the place that houses the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's in our hearts. So Torah, the living word, the living word, the written word, don't throw your Bibles away. Because Jesus came to fulfill, fill full of meaning, everything in Scripture. Every, if you begin to see through a Jesus lens when you read your scripture, you will see it in a totally different way. Because can I tell you something without being too offensive here? It's really, I'm not all that impressed about you reading your Bible, but I'm real impressed with people who encounter Jesus while reading their Bible because it's about a relationship with him. So the first thing here on, on this side, this is the old covenant over here, and this is the makings of the new covenant. The cross has changed everything. When Jesus first comes to, to the world and he's getting revelations from his father, it'll all shift at the cross. Now, the, the next thing I want you to see is that the cross, it ended all of this stuff here. It ended the old covenant and it ended the in time, the temple would be destroyed, would come down. It, but it began, it began the new covenant. It began the kingdom of God. It began the Jesus is Lord era, the new age. Jesus came to culmin, for the culmination of the ages. What is it saying? It's one ended, he says he ended the age of law. I mean, you know, Jesus was, according to Galatians 4, uh, 4, that Jesus was born of a woman and that he was born under the law. But it says, what is his purpose? To redeem mankind from what? The law. And so Jesus came to redeem from the law. Jesus began, and, and so we will see the beginning of the old and new covenant. Now, what does it look, what did it look like for a believer, or a person on this side who was trying to be pleasing to God that is different than on this side of the cross in Jesus? Because now we're talking about the heart of the gospel. One of the things that, that confuses a lot of people is they have this mixture of old and new covenant. How many of you know the new covenant is really, really new? It's not just a little bit better and improved. It's totally new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all has become brand new. 
Okay, so we're talking about something here that's not just a little bit more improved. It's brand new. You're a new creation in Christ. When by revelation, you encounter Jesus, the spirit of God comes to live in your temple, you become a new creation following the new covenant. Now, where did the new covenant happen? I'm glad you asked. The new, you, you remember whenever Jesus is just about to go to the cross? In Luke 22, you can go and read it. He says two things. He says, my, uh, my blood is about to be poured out for you. It's the blood of the new covenant given for the forgiveness of your sins. And I will confer upon you the kingdom of God. Same way my father conferred upon me, I'm conferring it upon you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, Everything is shifting, it's changing here now. So over on this side, and this is where we kind of run into some issues. Uh, over here, it's sin-focused. What is your focus in your life? Are you focused on your shortcomings? Are you you're focused on how bad you blow it? Do, do, you, do you feel ashamed? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel fearful that you're not doing enough to measure up? Do you, do you question what I said earlier that God absolutely loves you? If so, then probably you're living on this side of the cross because here was the mindset. You're talking about a, a group of people that had been slaves for 400 years. There's a, there's a slave-mindedness that goes into this, okay? They, they've been slaves for 400 years and they were looking forward to something that would save them, something that would change. They, they knew Messiah was coming. They just had no idea what Messiah would fully look like. In fact, there were ideas in the prophets that would uh, would say that there is, when, when the Messiah comes, um, he will bring forgiveness to all people. It'll be a once for all deal. He will forgive man's sins. That's in Jeremiah 31. There's another one in Ezekiel 36. It says that our hearts will change. We'll be indwelled with the very spirit of God and we'll get a new heart. They look forward to that one day that actually happened at the cross. So there's this slave mind in this, there's this looking forward to it. They were sin focused. When, when I say sin focused, what do I mean? It, it's not just breaking the law, but it's not knowing who God really is. You know what I think broke Jesus' heart more than anything while he was here on planet earth? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of I mean, we, we can, Fight on that. But I, I, you know why I think broke his heart? How people perceived his dad. What had, what had become rote rituals and, and just religious ways of doing things, Jesus said, oh, no, no, you don't know my father. There's a reason he gave that metaphor. My father's different. And he said, he said listen, on that day when the cross comes, your focus will not be on sin anymore. Your focus is gonna be on oneness, okay? 
oneness. You're gonna have a righteousness focus, right? Jesus, the scripture says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that God made Jesus who knew no sin to be a sin offering for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in right standing, in oneness. He's, he's like, it's all about restoration. And so a righteousness focus is what we should have. Now, what does that mean? That means that you know who you are. You know whose you are. You know how God created you. God created you to bear his image everywhere you go. And Jesus made a way for that to happen. That is the gospel. This over here is a reality until you, your, the eyes of your heart are open through revelation and you realize what Jesus has done for you. And you say, Jesus, I need you. I'm asking you to change my whole way of thinking, okay? So another thing that would, would be over here is, is trying harder. Any of y'all ever uh, give that a try? Man, I, I just, I just, man, I just gotta try harder. Gotta read my Bible more. Need to pray more. Not, I've been... I hadn't fasted in a while, Billy. Probably ought to do that. We go down our checklist. We're trying harder. We're trying harder to please God. Part of that trying harder is not only trying to please God, but trying to appease God. You know what that, that means, to appease God? You have, how many of you have ever made a deal with God? <laughs> they did it through sacrifices. You know, if if... You, then I'll never, or I'll always, or you making, let's play, let's make a deal. It's about trying harder. You know, if you, if you go to Galatians chapter three, the whole deal is about that. Why do you try so hard? Because you have a slave mindset. You don't see yourself as a son or daughter. You don't see yourself as a child of God. You see yourself as a slave. And so you try harder. So what is, what is on, the, on the right side of the cross, you see something totally different. It's slaves now become what? Sons. If the son has set you free, you're free indeed, right? What did Paul say? He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, right? So it's, it's, it's all about sonship and freedom. Jesus went to the cross for our freedom. I told you this was a big picture. I mean, this is a, it's large. And I'm just giving you a little slices of it. The prophecies that say that Jesus is going to come, the Messiah will come and he will uh, forgive sins and he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Jesus came and did those very things. If you read Hebrews, it's full of, of Jesus' once for all sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Try harder. Well, over here, I'm, I'm gonna simplify life for you. Trust Jesus. Why, why will we do just about anything except 
just trust Jesus and believe him that he says who we are? Why, why, why is it so offensive to us to just humbly receive and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm not doing well. That, that's, that's, that's as, as old as be, way before here. We go back to the garden and all of this stuff right here is essentially the tree of knowledge, right? I bet we can figure out a better way to do this thing. And all that Jesus ever says is, I am the tree of life. If you want to live, you want to live free, you got to trust me. You want to be a son, you got to trust me. You want to live in oneness and, and, and righteousness, you got to trust me. But, but we'll, we'll do, we'll reason it out, we'll figure it out, we'll ritual it out, we'll do whatever we need to do. Okay, I think you get the idea. I can do this all day. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. Here's, here's a biggie. Let's use the Bible a little bit. Can we do that? Look, look at 2 second, second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. Verse 16, it says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view or according to the flesh. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We'll stop for a bit. I'll never forget when I read that. One day I was, I was just reading and I said, God, what does that mean? And he says, well, he's, Paul's remembering back what it was like before he really encountered Jesus. You know, you know what the rabbinical world looked like, rabbinical system? It was all about imitating your rabbi. You know, do everything that rabbi did. Jesus had, Jesus had 12 guys. They followed him all around Judea. They followed the, the bearded. He, he didn't have as much gray as I did, I don't think. The bearded, sandaled rabbi. They, they followed him everywhere. They did everything Jesus did. They imitated everything. That's the way discipleship was done. Can I tell you, most discipleship today is still done that way. Paul said, not so, on this side of the cross. He said, God has called us to emanate. He's always called us to emanate. Do you realize that? Back in the garden, we were created to be in the life source. We were created to be connected to God. We were created to be so full of him that life flows out of us. What if I told you that's the gospel? The gospel is not trying harder. It's not imitating more. It's not going to church a whole lot. It's not being so sad and sorry for all your sins. It's, it's, it's not any of that. It's, and it's certainly not trying to figure it out and reason it out. 
What if I told you the gospel is simply saying, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I need you. See, I think, I think for most, most of us, we make it way too difficult. What if, what if I told you this? What if I said the good news is about Jesus? God becoming flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood, living among us. What if I told you that the gospel is about grace? God's undeserved favor, but his empowering presence that enables us to be who he's created us to be and to do what he's called us to do. What if I told you that the gospel is about forgiveness, a once for all forgiveness, where you can forgive yourself and in turn forgive others? Why, why would you... I, well, I'll answer my own question. The reason why we don't forgive is because we don't realize the level we've been forgiven. Why would we hold somebody in bondage if we fully understood how forgiven and how free we are? The gospel is about freedom. It's about the spirit of Jesus living inside of us. It's about a better, a new and better covenant See, this over here is the, the new covenant. It's the kingdom of God that was conferred upon us when Jesus did that at that Lord's Supper. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do, can we dream together for just a second? I, I, I want you to just close your eyes and dream with me for a minute. I want you to think about what living on the right side of the cross really is all about in trusting Jesus. What, what, if, what if you had a greater God consciousness? What if, what if you had a greater awareness of his presence, his goodness, his love in your life? What, what if all of that was greater, your your Awareness of his presence was greater than your awareness of your sin. Is greater than your shame. Is greater than your fears and your failures. What if you had, uh, you were free from worrying about your sin and insecurity. And suddenly you were released to spend all your time wrestling with the greatness of your kingdom calling? What if your struggle was no longer with lack, not having enough, not having enough money, not having enough ability, but rather on the bigness of your kingdom mission? How much more energy would you have? How much more Creativity would you have? How much more confidence would you have? What if all that you had to do to receive all of these things was to simply change your belief system? The way you think. Not earn something, not strive for something, not struggle with something, 
So here's what I want us to do today. How many of you like dreaming like that? Here's what I want to do today. I want us to yield up our positions that do not lead to victory in our life, that do not lead to God consciousness, do not lead to being fully alive in Christ. So what, here's, here's what the deal is. First step is this. If you're living on this side of the cross, you need to admit it. If you're living on this side of the cross in any, any of these areas, I want you to just stand to your feet on this side of the cross. You're sin-focused, you're trying really hard, been imitating a lot, you've not fully, you found your hope in a lot of things that you, okay? And I want you to just repeat after me, Jesus, I'm aligning with you. Jesus, I'm aligning with you. Jesus, I'm taking sides with you. The old is past, new has come. And I want you just to pray this prayer with me, okay? I want us to all pray this prayer together, okay? Let's, let's, let's all just stand to our feet because the truth is it's always good for all of us to be reminded of who, whose we are and to move into the right side of the cross. See, the gospel is living on this side of the cross. The gravitational pull to this side of the cross is the greatest enemy of the gospel. Did you hear what I'm saying? Legalism, greatest enemy. Dualism, Gnosticism, all of those isms that aren't Jesus-isms are the wrong ones, okay? So I want you just to pray this prayer with me Father, I realize that I've been living on the wrong side of the cross. I've been living by self-effort. I struggle and sometimes have shame. I repent of unbiblical thinking. And I open my heart. I open my mind to the truths of your word. Right now, I receive all that Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. I declare that Jesus is my Savior and Lord. He's my healer and deliverer. He's the one who's making me whole. Lord, lead me to an understanding of all that you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. How many feel a little bit better? Anybody feel better? God wants us free. I think he wants us to download things and it begins right here between our, 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 our noggin here with our mind. I want to ask you, if you have committed your life to Christ today, our prayer team is gonna come down and be available, pray for you. If you've committed your life to Christ today, 
Just raise your hand. Anybody here said, I committed my life to Christ today, okay? Maybe the first time you've ever committed your life to Christ. Tell somebody, tell the person you came with, tell, come down and, and, and tell some of these folks here. We have a number of needs today. We have some words that the prayer team got. Maybe you're here and, and you have a leg, you have ulcer, a leg ulcers or sores. If that's you, come on down for prayer. The Lord really, really wants to heal some of these things here, or not some of them, all of them. Healing of TMJ, jaw. Anyone here have TMJ? I, can't, I couldn't see if, if you raised your hand, but come on down. Uh, skin issues and healing of the heart. Whatever your need is today, Jesus is here to meet it. So we just invite you. Come on, Dan. What you got? Um, hello there. Uh, this is really fresh. But in pre-service prayer today and for months, I've been asking God to heal my hip. Uh, I've had hip surgery on one many years ago, and the other one started hurting about five months ago. And I didn't feel anything in there, but I came in here, and while we were praying just a few minutes ago, I had extreme pain just hit all of a sudden, and now it's gone. It's just like completely gone. And I'm testifying to Jesus because this has been so much pain. And I just want to say that the testimony is a prophecy of what God wants to do right now. If you have any hip pain or the lower back pain, I want you to come up here and have hands laid on you by one of these people and get healed today. Even if you don't want to come up, I'm just going to declare right now that this is a testimony of healing over you right now. I proclaim that you are healed in Jesus' name. Don't be bashful. There's an excitement of Jesus to heal you. Don't sit back and say, I'll just wait. Don't wait. I've done that and it's painful. It's awful. Come up here or ask your neighbor. Have your neighbor pray for you because there's healing in the presence of God. In Jesus' name, be blessed.